because, of course, we're in a very volatile weather situation right now. The National Weather Service in Paducah has issued a tornado warning for Marshall County, Kentucky, Southwestern Lyon County, Kentucky. I'm meteorologist Noah Berger. We're under a blizzard warning for extremely heavy snow. Good evening, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday, December 5th, the 2018 year. I am meteorologist Noah Berger, and it's alongside of my colleague and good friend Jennifer Rukavina on what is the first Wednesday of December, and that means Christmas is now officially about a, a little less than three weeks away, if you can believe it or not. Last we cast, it is now meteorological winter. And yes, if you are keeping score, it is now meteorological winter, and um, with that comes a lot of changes in the world of weather. Last week, we were fortunate to have on special guest Bernadette Woods from Climate Central, if you happen to catch that. Uh, if you didn't catch that, it's available on iTunes and also on our YouTube channel. You can listen to that. That was honestly my favorite episode that we've done so far. We're building so, momentum. Like Penn State. In this brand. Right. We're building momentum. Yeah. It and, takes um, a while sometimes, like Penn State. But. It takes a while to be a good academic school, too. But um, okay. yeah. if you're a college football fan, last weekend was championship weekend, and to my expectation, Georgia was left out of the playoff, and unfortunately Ohio State won the Big Ten Championship, but they played uh, the Northwestern Wildcats, which are essentially the uh, YMCA squad of the Big Ten West. Well, I think a lot of the Big Ten... appreciate that. <laughs> no, no, in all seriousness, but um, I, I, something I did notice is that um, I really do think that the Big Ten has to change its conference alignment to try to get more teams in the playoff. But oh, wow. If you're a college football fan, this <laughs> is a fun time of year. College basketball getting underway. Uh, the playoff is now set, bowl season set, and uh, my Nittany Lions will be in a bowl game. Also, Ohio State, State will be in the Rose Bowl. Murray State, isn't they in the bowl, bowl no. game? No. Oh. Uh, you said basketball season, so oh. I went to basketball season. You went back to football. So, so Murray State's doing pretty good this year in basketball. Yeah. They almost beat Alabama, but... Uh, they did. They came close. Yeah. Morant, so, big time, big man on campus. John Morant. Yes. So uh, this week we are going to be talking about communicating uncertainty in winter storms, which I feel is a very relevant topic right about now. As I, Give me a second here as I just share this on my Twitter account. Um, if you haven't been um, watching the news, if you've been happen to be living under a rock or, uh, you know, just woke up from a several week Living or your life, nap, you know. <laughs> or just been busy, too. That will, that will, that will qualify you under this. Um, there is a winter storm on the way for a good chunk of the southern United States this weekend. And this storm has the potential to be record-breaking for some areas. Probably not in the local six area of West Kentucky, southern Illinois, southeast Missouri, northwest Tennessee. But maybe areas like... Uh, portions of the Carolinas and North Carolina could Smokies. get on a record-setting snowfall. And with this, um, we've been seeing the onslaughts from the weather-weaning community, as I like to call it, of... Our colleagues. <laughs> or some, some more, uh, more professionally put it, colleagues. But um, the onslaught of snow maps and model guidance being posted at will and free reign all over social media. So we figured what better topic to Without discuss this much week. 
explanation. Right. So we figured what better uh, what better thing to talk about this week than communicating uncertainty. Now, I hear I want to hear from the viewers too. I want them to chime in. You know, it doesn't have to be live right now. It can be live or it can be uh, anytime in the near future if they want to hop on our page and comment. Would love to hear it from them too with their interpretation mm. of impacts and winter forecasting. So as we move through this discussion. Now I'm going to start the discussion tonight with something that I call waffle words. Or uh, that terminology came from a professor of mine at Penn State who was a long time 40 or 50 year veteran of uh, working at the Penn State Department of Meteorology and his crutch, he has a list of crutch phrases as he likes to word it in waffle words saying probable, likely, possible, maybe. And we often find ourselves as broadcast meteorologists saying, if you really sit down and think about it, multiple of these words, even within the same sentence, for example, you know, snow, we're, track, we're tracking the possibility of snow potentially causing six to possibly, I mean, even in one sentence, you can say the word possibly five times, and you can see how it easily becomes a, uh, it could send viewers into a dizzy trying to keep up with it. Well, don't you think that that is the reason for that is because we still are trying to educate the public on how winter storms change frequently, and they seem to latch onto one thing, and you have to reinforce the fact that it's going to change. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to say with absolute certainty four days out, which some do, that something's going to happen. When you put out a forecast map, that's like saying you're certain that this is going to happen when you put out those big snowfall maps four and five days out. Like that's not, mm. that's not beneficial to the rest of the weather community. Well, this also brings up a question of is it better to be first to the party or best to the party. I always say, I, this is a quote from Steve Jobs who always said the reason why, this is often a tangent, but it connects to what we're saying. Um, the reason why Apple is always criticized for being later to develop new technology in their iPhones that was available for months or years already on the latest Android phones was because they felt they wanted to be the not the first one to release it, but be the best one out there, the best product. And, I, and that same phrase I've carried over to my young professional career war. It's not about being the first one to get numbers out. It's about being the first one to be right. But unfortunately, a lot of the time, those two cannot coexist. It's tough to be the yeah. first one out, the first one to be right. It's and either the first one out or- I think for winter storms, this is most applied. Hmm. Because when you get severe weather systems, I think, you know, more often than not, you're gonna get storms. Yep. Whether they're severe or not, that's another question. But it usually materializes when you're talking about thunderstorms or rain. When you're talking about a winter weather event, mm. the dividing line between freezing line and where you get your mix versus pure snow versus pure rain, those things are way more uncertain and likely to change. Mm. Because a lot of times, especially in the local six area, you talk about the Mid-South, we're waiting for the storm to develop. And sometimes it's not far off our doorstep. So computer guidance is not going to be accurate until 24 to 48 hours out when that storm actually develops. Then we start to get a better look at it. Now we can use long-range modeling for guidance, and that's what it's there for. It's for guidance to let you know something's happening. So when you're about five, six days out, I completely understand 
wanting to be the first out there to say, hey, this is on our radar. But you, while you're also very careful in the words that you use, you have to be very careful in the graphics that you use and understand how people interpret that as more of a certainty when they see that map. Whereas maybe four and five days out, six days out, you're posting a scenario where you've detailed it all in that graphic instead of just splashing a mm. snow map out there, which could be one of how many ensembles, how many resolutions mm. before that storm gets there finally. So do you think it's better to put out graphs, uh, Im images with numbers on it or words, especially in a, we'll use today as an example, we're about th three to five days out from the actual event starting. Uh, this is kind of referred to as the gray area because this is when models begin to come into more uh, consistency and continuity. However, it's still quite up in the air as to how much, literally pun intended, up in the air, how much snow is going to fall out of the sky. And this brings up another question I'll ask you is about showing decimal places on snow maps six days out. Like I see it all the time. Like you, these professional meteorologists who've been in the field for 25 years posting out 6.8 inches of snow for a major city and it's five days in advance. Like we do not have the precision, like this is a slight bug, we, we do not have the precision or accuracy as a science. Like a community, as a field, as a profession, to be putting out that specific of numbers three times a day starting five days from an event. I just think it's, it both discredits people who are taking the time to make maps that are you know, educate the viewer, don't cause a stir, and don't hype. And not to mention it discredits the science, I mean, because we're just not there yet where we can five days out from a snowstorm say there's going to sh Even showing a map, like you're in the mornings posting it showing 8.6 inches of snow for Charlotte, and then in the evening posting another one saying 2.5. I just don't think that that's a good way of communicating uncertainty. Now, I think if you break it down and show every model and how they compare and contrast, that might be one thing, but even five, more than four, four or five days out, that's, that's a detriment to you, the forecaster, and the viewer. Um, you know, the, it's, it's very difficult to say what's right and what's not because, you know, nowadays, and today is a good example, I have a viewer that messaged me this morning saying, oh my gosh, my app says two to four inches. Yep. And I messaged her back and I said, well, you're likely going to see that change quite a bit over the next couple of days. That data is model driven to give mm -hmm. people an idea of things coming. It shouldn't be taken as exact forecasting until we get closer to that time frame. But I said it is for, like us, guidance sake. It's for preparedness sake. Hey, there might be some snow in the forecast. There might be accumulating snow in the forecast. We have this mentality in the south that anytime there's accumulating snow, yep. it's going to bring us to our knees. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know, other than, you know, communicating the message that things may change, it will evolve, we'll be just fine. There's a notion of going to buy bread and milk when for eight hours we might have an impact on the roads. Why did you go buy bread and milk for that? Like, I don't understand that. 
So it's just, in, you know, you and I are both from the north mm-hmm. where heavy snow is a Tuesday, every other Tuesday. Right. And so it didn't really have much impact. We went to school with it. Buses mm-hmm. drove through it. Trucks put chains on. I mean, out west. They drive in it. But it, it does seem like there is a almost hyper active reaction to snow in the south. And that's I lived in Mississippi for a while. I mean, it's the same mm-hmm. thing down there. And even more so because they don't have the transportation preparedness that even Kentucky does, which is much less than up north. Now, what do you think is the best way to portray uncertainty in a forecast for a winter storm a few days out? I think it's just being honest with the viewer and saying these are the things that we're that we're considering when we're putting this forecast together. As I think too often, me, me, me myself included, sometimes we get too caught up in saying what we don't know and not enough of what we do, even though that might be only a short list. Right. We always we start off the newscast saying we don't know X, we don't know Y, we don't know the timing, we don't know this. We you know we're starting off telling people we don't know ten different things. Well, we should be telling them we know we know this and we know this and that's it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on your storytelling and, um, you know, there's a lot more certainty on our end than there is uncertainty with any given forecast. We're, mm-hmm. you know, we look at model runs every day, we see the trends, we see which, which are performing better than others, and um, I think in our minds there is more certainty than uncertainty. Mm but it's communicating that to the viewer as well. You're right, I mean, we have that almost instinct now to defend our right. our forecast before it's even validated, you know? And so um, I think that's, we're just trying to bridge the gap between what viewers understand as weather changes and what is accurate and what is accuracy. Because up north we could forecast 48 inches of snow and we only get four inches of snow and everyone just moves on with their day. Yep. But if you miss by half an inch in the south, that becomes a miss. So it's like, how do you compensate? Mm. And mm. I think that's where it all comes mm. together in the perfect storm of communication. And um, I'm pulling up a graphic now for everyone, the couple of people we have watching now or listening that um, is from the Met Office and it's showing um, how ensembles work. Now yeah. this is something I feel without diverging into a discussion about um, numerical weather prediction. This is something I feel is very relevant in terms of broadcast meteorology um, in a situation like this where we need to, more people I think need to forecast using the ensemble technique versus the deterministic way. And you're, if you're if you're watch, listening or watching us on your phone or your laptop, and you could see this, um, the initial analysis in the circle there is the red line. And too often, like the past couple of days, even the European model broadcast, you know, take broadcaster for example, will show the European P-type map out to five days, and that's that red line X, but it waffles back and forth, run to run, when in reality the ensemble mean, which is the the average of all of those other lines, which is when we tweak the initial conditions in, in the case of the European model 50 different times, 
and take the mean of that, um, you just can't beat that. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's a better way to portray uncertainty than to take a 50-50 blend of the GEFS and the EPS mean, which, you know, unfortunately, we don't have that ability on TV to show the It is a request. European I've noticed that. Mean. That it's a request to the vendor yeah. at this point. Um, we all have kind of a weather weenie Facebook group. Mm. The whole weather community does with our with our main vendor, and that's one of the requests out there to be able to show, you know, consensus, if you will. But I think the ensemble method is certainly a way that we can better communicate uncertainty in winter storms with broadcast meteorologists. Well, and they're starting to do that more so with severe weather too. When you come, when mm. the warning evolution from the National Weather Service is beginning to evolve where it's gonna be more probability driven. So tornado warnings are gonna look different in the future where you're not gonna just see one box. You're gonna see a box with probabilities of, well, you're maybe gonna be 80% chance you're gonna see this tornadic storm or 40% the further mm -hmm. away you get from that storm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's the evolution because people just need to know what are the chances I'm going to see this and what are the impacts I'm going to see it? That's basically what all people want to know. Mm. And the less they have to figure out on their own, the better. And so we, we've started seeing more and more of the impact trackers because same thing with hurricanes. It's not necessarily the name yep. of the storm or the category it is. It's the impact that mm -hmm. it's going to have. And it has different facets to the storm. You've got ice. You've got wind. You've got snow, you've got road conditions, and even a minimal winter storm can have severe road conditions and the perfect conditions. Mm. So it's like impact-driven forecasting is where it's at, and the lifestyle-driven, same thing. Now we have a question from uh, Matt who says, the NAM, GFS, or Euro for snowfall forecasting, which is generally regarded as the most reliable? Well, you can't really look at it that way. You have to see which one is performing the best First of all, leading into the storm, you also look at, did that model initialize right for the day or for mm -hmm. the past couple of days? Um, some of those models are more long range than others when we look at yep. different computer models. Long range is going to be more guidance. Short range, you're going to look to for the more uh, micro scale, if you will, yep. um, some of the finer resolution. Now, some of the some of the longer range models are starting to have better resolution too. Um, but it's, you can't just pick one or the other or you fall into that trap. Like you said, you live and die by the models and that's a Joe Murgo that we frequently visit. And uh, sometimes it's humorous, but other, I mean, it's, it's legitimate. I mean, you yes. can't just pick one model and go with it because, um, you know, even today we were talking about how the NAM performed pretty well in the first storm of the season. Today, it doesn't really have our attention that much. Yeah. I mean, it's still out there as an option, and we're still five days away. So it's it's learning to see, um, you know, sometimes we look to the Weather Prediction Center to see which models are initializing well, which aren't. Um, that storm's just coming off the West Coast, so your global models are going to be better at it right now. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean they're going to be right. We right. have to see how that storm interacts with land once it comes through the Rockies interacts with the jet streams because both jet streams are at play here 
there's a lot to look at, not just which model. Although I will say, though, in broad scale speaking, the European model is generally more reliable, but each one has its own its own sweet spot. Like the there's nothing. For example, in day the day five to seven range, and this is not just my opinion. It's been it's a statistical fact that the European model is has the best verification score of any model. Like that's it's like far superior, better than even the the sweet spot for any other models. Like that medium range from five to seven days, the euro is cash well, sure. money. And that's more because it's it's guidance. I mean, mm. are you talking about a at a regional level, at a national level, at a global level? I mean, you really have to put into, you know, some models do better with elevation change. Mm -hmm. You have to think about all those things. And if you don't have a finer resolution in one of the global models, its success is going to be broad. I mean, there's so many. It's so complicated. Computer models are, there are different inputs. Yep. Some of them rely on the last three hours worth of data, some much longer than that, some factor in climatology. So you've got so many different things you have to look at to choose from. But, um, yeah, so to answer your question, Matt, uh, we don't really <laughs> think of them. We didn't them. forget about you, Matt. Right, we didn't think, forget about you, but um, I wouldn't say that any one of those one is the most reliable, but if I had to, I'd say the European is the most reliable. Uh, followed by probably the NAM. Mm. See, I not. would pick the RPM, but he didn't mention the RPM, but that's an in-house um, vendor product that um, performs pretty well in the short short range. Mm. Yeah. But um, yeah, each of one has it. Each of them has its own. Uh, it's their own advantages and disadvantages. Obviously, the Euro being on a nine-kilometer grid space, we don't use that within a short range because it doesn't pick up on. As great of mesoscale features and impacts and influences such as terrain and ocean and marine influence like the NAM does, which is on a three kilometer grid spacing. But um, back to the uh, topic at pace for tonight, um, communicating uncertainty in winter weather. We'll put a nice little bow tie on this for tonight in a gift box here. And um, <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> yes, pun yeah, literally. Um, I will say that I do think that uh, an interesting way of, or maybe a different way of communicating uncertainty, to say our title again for the 10th time, is when I was at the American Meteorological Society conference last year in Austin, Texas, Dan Scatterfield, who's the chief meteorologist in Maryland, uh, Del Delmar has been there for a long time, recently started uh, delving into showing probabilistic uh, technique for snowfall forecasting, which surprisingly um, was met with mainly positive feedback from viewers. I've seen a lot more showing that. Where he, they show, instead of drawing like an iso, instead of isoplothing, well this is a whole other issue which triggers me to no end, which we can touch upon quickly about how broadcasters make like a one to three contour and then right next to it it's like five to eight. Well, it's got to be seamless. It's like, well, yeah, but so many broadcasters are, it's like, makes no sense to me. Like, they'll have a one to three, right? Then, like, a five to eight, then, like, a ten four to, to ten. And, but it, it, it's, it's like, it doesn't even make sense. Like, I don't even understand it. I'm a meteorologist. Like, you know, how about the people They who, must have it figured out in their minds somehow. I, I, we, we don't see that around here. Mets and our market, we, I don't see that. So mm -hmm. that's good that at least our viewers aren't confused about, in our viewing right. area. 
that's certainly a way to to go combat that is you know showing there's a 60% chance of one inch of snow right you know because too often you put six to ten inches and everybody says oh ten inches of snow and you know that worked somewhat well for us in that first storm that we had the last storm that we had we showed those probabilities up in Illinois and the bullseye probability of one two and then it was like four mm -hmm. and as you went up you got to see that bullseye either disappear or become much smaller and include a much smaller area yep. so you could hone in and viewers got the idea okay somewhere up in this region not down in Tennessee but right. somewhere up here in Illinois is gonna see the best chance for snow kind of thing mm. so yeah I mean I agree it's it's good stuff and I one thing that we've seen uh, evolve also is that National Weather Service Weather Prediction Center SPC all of those agencies are now putting out um, downloadable data to input in our system our weather graphics system so that we can display those things because a lot of times for the longest time it was internal stuff that we could look at on the web but you couldn't input it or it was very difficult to draw and really be accurate right with with drawing those things on a map so now we're able to just input that data very easily and that has really expanded our ability to communicate those things to the public oh totally um and I have to say, I am pretty excited for the uh, winter storm for this weekend, mainly because I get to, I get to work. It's going to be the baby bird fly, baby bird during fly. During the storm. Your first winter storm forecasting well, on your own. second of the, we were here well, for Oh, you mean on, oh, I thought yeah. you meant experiencing. Yeah. This is my first southern snow. We got a ball, a, a, a putrid 1.8 inches of snow. Yeah. Officially, anyway. I think right. we had more than that here, but. Me and Jen have an informal bet on uh, closest to the pen buys the other their drink of choice for the snowfall amount. In it could Cuba, be Coca-Cola. I don't know. It could be a glass of wine. Either yeah. way, we'll, you're going to be buying we'll my say, drink. We'll say an adult beverage. Weekend. Yes. Uh, we are going to, I think, you know, there's some good competition that helps maybe foster some better forecasting. Oh, totally, Some healthy yes. competition. No, we actually forecast together and uh, talk all this out, but... When it comes down to the minutia and minutia, there is a word for you, minutia. I think we'll uh, we'll be betting in it. I think we have to go with the tenths of inch on, inches on this one. I don't know if we're gonna want to do that, but I, I uh, we'll we'll have to discuss that one. It's a good thing we didn't bet on the last one. Hey, I said. Hey. What did, hey, what did, you don't? I don't even remember what you said. What did you say? Two point two, something like that. Oh, that's what you said. Yeah. Yes. Now, oh uh, yeah, I don't really remember what you, you said. You were ready to go all guns blazing and six inches or something. I said two to here. four with the ah, potential for six ah. in Illinois, which somebody did get five inches of snow, so that did they go did. Fight. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna rewind. I'm gonna start recording everything now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny if one of my friends is watching; they're probably agreeing with you. Wish casting. <laughs> No. I remember, oh, look at these numbers, <laughs> like a week out, 10 days out. I'm like, I haven't even gotten to the first storm that's coming in. You're already on number two. Oh, you have to give me credit. I, I did sniff this one out from like a week and a half ago. Come on. Well, yeah, I mean, guidance shows there was something coming our oh, way no, this weekend. Oh, no, no, no. But oh, I, I, I was Lord. on it on the inside. I was this like, this is, is going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just excited for I know you are. I'm just older and jaded by too many snow misses. You just don't want to give me credit that I 
bought into one of those loan and all the credit you want in this world. I will give you all the credit in the world that that you want to sniff this one out. You sniffed this one out, Noah. Oh, totally. Sniffed it out. Sniffing something out. (laughs) (laughs) No, but in all seriousness, getting all kidding aside, but um, it's been a good learning experience. being here in this storm certainly going to be another good learning experience for me. With and it the, is different because, I mean, from the north, we snow's more of a certainty, especially yep. inland up north. Yep. It's much more of a certainty. You don't have the dividing line like you do on the uh, Atlantic coast, especially those nor'easters. You get that dividing line. Mm-hmm. Um, down here, you've got that dividing line, and it's so much harder. And we're talking about 50 counties we have to forecast for. Yeah. It is so much harder, and the it's just it's it's really just comes down to communication and and really communicating with the viewer the impact that this storm is going to have because even if you got six inches of snow if there's no ice leading up to it there's nothing like that it's not going to have as much of an impact as people may believe six inches of snow yes is going to have an impact on our roads but if they're pre-treated it's probably not going to last real long Hmm. as opposed to snow already being on the ground or ice on the roads already and putting snow on top of it, then you've got issues, and that's when your impact becomes much higher. Any final thoughts for our, anybody watching? Or that's about it? Uh, no, but I will say for next week, we're going to be talking about um, kind of a year in review of uh, 2018 disasters in the U.S., Yep. billion-dollar disasters, um, and sort of the forgotten disasters, because as we, in this era of weather and and natural disasters we move on pretty quickly from the worst of and the worst ever and uh i think it's a good good time to reflect on what has happened this year mm. and talk about that a little bit and uh, that'll be next week's episode and no i did not sniff this one out i am uh, just a humble young whippersnapper forecaster <laughs> venturing through venturing through the depths of the 384 hour gfs progs every weekend yes but um Nonetheless, thanks for watching or listening to <laughs> episode four of our podcast think. of Beyond the Green Screen, which we did have a couple of comments this time. So Love we it. continue to build traction. And I saw we did have our highest viewership on the last episode. Did you see that? Great. It was over 50. Yeah. Of who watched at least, like I think it was like six or eight minutes. So that's Someday pretty good. Someday we'll cherish that and look back on our 51st. 51st something. Say so hopefully mine is a little bit further away, the next fifty-first something. Yes. Fiftieth. Uh, let's see what what would be a good fiftieth something. Storm. Storm oh, coverage. That's true. I haven't had any tornado coverage yet though. It is funny that last weekend we were on tornado watch. This weekend we're on snow watch. Yep. And now so. trend towards the warmer side of things for the second half of December. You yeah. never know. And we'll we'll see about that. Let's yeah, snip sure. those out for later in the month. Yeah, we'll, we'll. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jennifer with the last bombshell there. We'll end the episode here. Uh, thanks for listening tonight. I uh, hope you have a great week and a great weekend. Good Bye. night.